down. And now we have some rep games included. So there's a lot to talk about in this episode. As usual, I'm one of your co-hosts, Nathan Seppi, joined again by my other co-host, Jonty Ralph-Smith. Jonty, how was your weekend of football? Yes, very good. I got to see the Western Jets boys uh, for the first time this season live in person. There were a fair few that impressed me, so we'll get to a few of them when we get to my 10, but plenty of other footy to discuss as well with the Allies starting their championships and some other representative footy kicking off this weekend. And look, we're going to move quickly, but not quickly, just be, be very uh, summarised of what we're talking about. We've got a lot to talk about, but I'll quickly go through both the boys and girls rounds. Uh, Western got up by uh, a big 60-point win against Easton in Williamstown, 17-11, uh, 1-13, 7-11-53. John Tier, one sentence summary. How was that game? Yeah, it was really good. Uh, it was probably a more even first quarter than what the what the scoreboard indicated. But then after quarter time, Western, who did have the scoreboard tendency, were able to run away with it, and they had a lot of contributors. And then Northern defeated Murray 13-13-91 to 10-7-67. I watched this game. Uh, Northern were just too classy. Murray sort of mounted a comeback, um, led by Mitch Way. He sort of got it kick-started, but Northern were just too strong and pushed Pushed them over, well, really just pushed over Murray in the end. Uh, Calder defeated Oakley 18-13, to 5-7-37. And not, a, I mean, a big win, but we know Oakley are pretty decimated without uh, with schoolboy footy at the moment. Yep. Uh, Dandenong defeated Bendigo 13-15-93 to 9-9-63. John T. Yeah. I think I think yeah, Bendigo Bendigo were were in it a little bit and it was quite competitive. But Dandenong's class in the end just shone through. You had Kate Delivery, Billy Wilson, and Kobe Ship all among the better players. And Harry Doughton also worth giving a mention to. He's not in my ten, but he continues to impress. Three games and he's hit the scoreboard in each of them as a bottom major. So one to keep an eye out for from Manalaza. And then Sandy and Tazzy. Uh, Tazzy got up ten four ten seventy four to nine six sixty. I saw this one. Um, it looked like Sandy were just going to cruise this one, and Tassie, it really it was a it was one of those tail two and a half games, and Tassie just stormed home in the second half. Um, honorable mentions that aren't in my tenth from this game: Heath Ollington and Caltradir. Just wanted to put that out there. And then Gippsland on the Sunday, Gippsland defeated Rebels thirteen sixteen ninety four to six nine forty five. We're both at this one. Gippy on top from really the get-go, and Rebels sort of had a good third quarter, but yeah, keep you too strong. Yeah, that was the only thing they could hold their hat on. Um, GWV was their third quarter. And then, quick look at the ladder. Tassie now sit on top with 24 points. Uh, equals second, Calder, Geelong, Northern, Dandenong sit right under, Sandy, Eastern, Rebels on 16. So that's your top eight, but as we know, everyone makes at least the first week of and, you know, non-normal seasons. So that's the boys. Uh, moving on to the girls now. On the Saturday, I was pretty much a repeat of most of these games for the boys. So Dandenon defeated Bendigo, 17-25, 127-3-220. Not a lot to talk about. It was a really dominant oh, display. There are, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of Dandenong players who are dominant and they'll take a lot of confidence into the Vic Country trials this weekend. Um, I know I'm going to speak about one of those girls later, so I'll leave Meg Robertson out. But, yeah, um, Ali Simons in the ruck as a bottom age, continued her strong form. Kayla Dalgleish, the last few weeks, been really strong, and she'll play on Sunday in that or on Saturday in that trial game. On the back of that form, Gemma Reynolds as well has been really strong, and Sophie Butterworth kicked three goals. So they'll all carry some strong form into that, off the back of that performance against Bendigo, who were missing Lou Painter. 
Well, it was uh, interesting. Seventeen twenty-five. They were inaccurate yet one by one hundred seven. So yeah, scary to think if they'd kicked even straighter. Um, Calder lost to the Brisbane Academy six-six forty-two to one four ten. Uh, it was really Brisbane that got on top early, and Calder did even it out, and you know did even the matchups, and it just wasn't enough, and couldn't really cr- crawl back, you know, into that game. Western. Lost to the Rangers 10 5 to 2 2 14. I mean, dominant from Eastern, back on winning yeah. form. Yeah. And then Northern defeated Murray 14 16, 100 to 2, goal straight 12. A lot of dominant performances this week. I mean, it wasn't one of the most entertaining weeks of football, but I guess there's, a, you know, there's just a bit of a gap sometimes between Metro and country teams. Uh, Sandy defeated. Oh, they've got their first win. That's yeah. very newsworthy. They finally got their first win. 3-8-26 defeated Tassie's girls, 2-2-14. John, to your sentence on that? Yeah, uh, Sandy probably too strong for the most part. Probably could have won by a little bit more. It wasn't the highest standard footy, but they were able to win ugly. I thought Jazz Shepherd was probably their best player, who I know you spoke about last week. And, I know they're pretty high on what she can produce. There's a fair few Sandy girls who will be playing in the Vic Metro trials on Saturday as well. So although they haven't had the wins, they've certainly been competitive against the Metro sides and good to see them get a win when they did have their opportunity against the Devils. Well, yeah, it does open their season up now and gives them a lot of confidence. And, you know, they were unlucky to not get a win before the break. So finally, one's on the board on the Sunday now. Um, Ipsland defeated the Rebels 4-6, 30-2, 7-19. Gippy just were strong in the end. They got over the line, and they're actually building on a, you know, a poor start. They're actually building into their season very nicely now. Yeah, you look at their their 2007-born talent, the likes of Alice Stoddart, Abby Hobson, and Chelsea Sutton, who are all strong again, particularly Alice Stoddart, um, and it was good to see them not panic in the fourth quarter and actually get it done after they did surrender that big lead they had against Calder at three-quarter time last week. And then a doubleheader in Bandura, the Falcons beat Northern Territory 12-6-88 to 1-4-10. Not really a surprise, that result. And then a game that recruiters labelled as one of the best games of talent league footy for the girls I've ever seen was Oakley and Gold Coast. Academy, 7-6-48, The Gold Coast Suns got up by two. Um, and we know what the how talented Oakley is and Gold Coast. Have, obviously, I, I'd love to watch Gold Coast now that I've seen these results. They've, um, they've impressed a lot and they've actually taken it up to a lot of these teams. So Yeah, well, they smashed the Jets last week. Yeah, so very talented. Apparently, they're very tall, a lot of uh, height in their team. So that's good for the uh, Gold Coast AFLW team. They've got some... Good prospects in that side. And now a quick look at the ladder, and this is different to the boys. Um, the way the finals will work is that it will be conferences, conference finals, and then a final, sort of like America with, you know, NBA and NFL finals, etc. cetera. Um, so it would be 1v4 and 2v3, both sides, conference final, grand final. So the Metro ladder, Oakley, Eastern, Northern, Calder, Sandy, Western, in that order, um, it's a bit of a separation between fourth and fifth. Calder's on 16 points, Sandy's on four points. So Sandy would really have to win at least, probably at least five of their last seven games to make it. Yeah. And then in big country, a bit closer, Geelong on top with 20, Dandy on Tassie on 16, and then GWV, Gippsland, Bendigo all on eight points. 
Murray's still yet to win a game. So that fourth spot, but even this week, if some results, oh, next week, sorry, some results happen, it could be a very tight, you know, race to finals and it would be interesting to watch. So that's how the ladder is for both girls' teams at the moment. So that's the summary. We now move to Allies and SA, South Australia, the first game of the 18s national champs. The Allies were too strong and they were up by quite a lot uh, at one point, but it was actually closer in the end. 12 12 84 to 11 268. John, do you let you run me, run the run through this and just highlight some of the key players who performed well? We've got a couple of boys that obviously talent league boys, so let's uh dissect how they performed. Yeah, yeah, worth just highlighting the the game of Jed Walter though. Kicked, kicked another yeah. bag and he continues to put his name up in lights to be a potential and probable first round prospect at this day, particularly strong in the first quarter. Uh, one player who did set him up that I'll segue into is Phoenix Goddard from the Murray Bush Rangers. He set him up late in the first quarter with a lace-out kick inside 50, and that was the sort of game that Goddard played. They were really happy with what he brought. Obviously, as a small forward, it can be hard to remain involved for the entire game, but he had 14 or 15 touches, took his opportunity when he had a shot on goal and finished it off, and what he did off the ball was really good as well, and he had seven score involvements. So a good game from him. Fellow Bushranger Connor O'Sullivan played as a key back and, and played his role while Kobe McKercher, 27 disposals, six tackles and six clearances. We know that he's one who is equally highly regarded, I guess you could say, as Jed Walter in that top five to ten category and showing why with that performance. James Leake, we know all about his athletic profile. We've seen it in the first month of the season with Tassie, finished with 21 disposals and five marks. And then the Devils skipper, 16 disposals, six tackles and five clearances. We know how physical and, and big-bodied he sort of is. And he was able to give an insight or, or give a glimpse into that on the weekend. Riley Sanders as well from the Sandy Dragons, obviously. Initially from Tasmania, 36 disposals, seven tackles, seven clearances and two goals. He was probably the player of the day in a big midfield performance for the Sandy Dragons. So... Certainly, that's a good way to kick off your national championships. No, for sure. It was a very dominant display. Allies tend to not be like one of the stronger teams in that national champ side, so they're off to a very strong start. Yeah. Now we'll move to the Vic Metro squad that has been announced, That and we've got some names we're going to just sort of talk about. I'll start with two. Uh, yeah. Josh Docking. Uh, I mean a player that I was very pleased with when I saw him at the start of the season in pre-season. Built very nicely, a very well-deserved spot. I still think there's a lot of potential to be reached, but I think him making the squad will really build on that. And that's all this. It's probably what he needs just to play against the best players in the country and build on his craft even more. And then Mahmoud Taha, he's been fantastic early on. We both loved watching him. He was great at the trial games. Just brings a lot of bursts and energy and speed into contests and, impacts the you know impacts you know the center stoppages so he's a fantastic player i think he'll really thrive in that environment uh jonty from your perspective who's a couple that you're you're happy to see listed in the squad yeah uh, i'll run through a few um ollie murphy i think is a key defender i'm really looking forward to seeing perhaps they're not as strong in their key defender stocks as they are in some other areas of the ground vic metro so 
Ollie Murphy was one that they that uh, people, I guess the powers to be, wanted to see play as a key defender this season. And he's really grown into that role and shown how sticky his hands are back there, taking intercept marks for fun. Uh, Charlie Harrop is another who started the season quite strongly. His work rate is excellent and we've seen what he can do off that half forward line, but wouldn't be surprised to see him play wing or even half back for Vic Metro. We saw him do that a little bit in the trials. Harvey Johnston, we're both a fan of his. His step through traffic is absolutely elite. Very hard to tackle him. Expect to see him play half forward slash wing, I would assume. He's got good goal sense and, and tends to always hit the scoreboard. Logan Morris, saw him on the weekend, took nine marks. It felt like he took 13 or 14 because I reckon at least six of those marks were contested marks. So he reads the ball really well. And Caleb Windsor, a hard-running winger who seems to be hitting form at the right time, finds his way to get hand, his hands on the footy. So... They're the, they're the players that I'm looking forward to seeing. But, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see who, who, does, make the, who does make the first team. Um, particularly interested in the wingers. I know I've named Windsor. You've named Jocking. There's also O'Leary that we're both sort of yeah. a fan of. Harrop can play on the wing. So that's the line that I'm looking forward to seeing who runs through there in particular. Yeah, there is. It's a, I mean, a lot of depth in that team. Their first game is on Sunday. At 9.45, they play SA over in, in Adelaide. So we'll be covering that game on next week's podcast. And I might as well add, we're also going to the Vic Metro Country 16s game, which yep. is on the Saturday. So that will also be reviewed um, and, you know, talk about what the next upcoming talent is looking like. As well so, as as well as the girls. Uh, and the trials, yeah. And the, the, big, the big rivalry, the Sandy Oakley game, where some players maybe just outside that first Metro squad will be able to stand up, or outside the first Metro team, rather. So, yeah, it is. It is a, I mean, it's only one game, but it feels like a big week of football regardless. Yep. But let's stay on track with the last week of football, and we'll go to our 10 now. Yep. I have more boys and girls, and that's purely just because there was probably a bit better performances in the boys this week than there was the girls. So I'll list off a few of my boys first, just even as we go along. I'll start with the Northern Murray game. Two boys, uh, one from each. Uh, Alexander Diado, 28 disposals, five rebound, 57 marks. Just very impressive, a good transitional player that sort of leads Northern going forward. But he's also one that he'll sit around a pack sort of on that defensive 50 and know when to, to run through and get the ball and carry it out and get a sort of just get that kick out that, lets the team spread out and move forward. I thought that was very impressive. I mean, he was reading the drop of the ball really well at every stoppage as well. It wasn't like he was sort of making runs that were ineffective. They were working well. And he was, I mean, it was just a very impressive performance. Efficient with his touch. His kicking was really good. It did everything Northern needed to, and especially probably steadied them at times when Murray were getting themselves back into it. So he's my first and my top 10 from the Northern Knights. Xavier Laverty, it was a pretty tough day for Murray. I was, I mean, there were players that had glimpses at times and you probably could say Mitch Ray had a very good second half. And, I mean, Darcy Wilson was the, out, he was outstanding, but obviously he doesn't really fit what we talk about. So he was the outlier in this. But Xavier Laverty was very, pretty impressive, did, did all the right things. I thought he was worthy of a top 10 mention. He kicked two goals, but he was just very prominent forward, took the marks he needed to and was very efficient. And that's all, yeah, and that's what you need sometimes, especially when your team isn't really performing as well as they could be. Kicked two goals straight, took some good clunks and was impressive up forward. So that's my first two from my 10. 
No, very good. I'll, I'll start with the Western Eastern game that I was at. Three players from that game that I'll highlight. Two Western boys. I'll start with Massimo Razzo, who, outside of a couple of forwards, Logan Morris, who I touched on before, kicked four goals, um, and he'll play Big Metro this week, I think, as a key defender. And Keaton Matapi Forbes, who watch out for a feature on him coming up. So left him out. But um, yeah, outside of them, Massimo Razzo is probably the most impressive. 27 touches at the goal. Playing in the midfield, a new role for him in the last couple of weeks after he started the season as a forward. And it's it's his cleanliness which really stands out. It, it buys him an extra second with the ball, it feels like. And there was a goal that he kicked where a couple of Eastern players fumbled it after a kick out. And he was able to just run through with pace, gather it one touch and kick the goal from 35. It was really impressive. He's a, he's a balanced player. And when he gets his hands on the ball with that extra time that he buys himself, he doesn't tend to stuff it up either. So good performance from... Massimo Arazzo, and one I'm starting to, to really enjoy playing and, and hearing about his performances. Jake Smith, the other from Western, 28 disposals, five tackles, six inside 50s, and one goal, two. Could easily have been two goals, one. Uh, his, his work rate um, is really impressive to get from contest to contest. I really enjoyed watching him, and I, I guess the, the thing that's been really impressive with him in the last couple of weeks is he did just miss out on Vic Metro, but he has seemed to come out with a little bit of a I want to prove you wrong sort of attitude. And that's certainly shone through. He's playing a little bit freer in his footy and yeah, wins the in and under ball. And it's, it was just a, it was just a good all round performance. It was able to feed it out to the runners and the good ball users. So sort of player you need in your midfield to, to add a little bit of grunt there for the Jets. From an Eastern perspective, it was a difficult day, but I think it's about time that we gave Christian Murray as a shout out on this podcast. I think he's just missed my 10 for two or three weeks in a row. Uh, perhaps he's been on the precipice of your 10 as well, Nathan. But 23 touches and four tackles, it's not his most dominant performance of the season, and he's a bottom ager. So when you're saying that, it, it probably highlights how strong his season has been. He He's a clearance player. His ability to get out of traffic is elite, and and he, he tends to use it quite well as well. He's he's good in space, and he's he's willing to do the, the dirty work. Uh, he's, he's only slightly built, but... He plays beyond his size and probably plays as a bit more of a mature player than a bottom major. So didn't quite make the Vic Metro tryouts this year, but it'd be a massive surprise if he wasn't um, in Vic Metro's first game next year if he continues on his current trajectory. Uh, for sure. And I'll move now to Sandy Tazzy, boys. Uh, two players again, one from each. Archer May, five goals from 10 touches. Uh, he's a top ager, so... I guess, you know, we we don't tend to dog about him a lot, but it was a very impressive display and one that stood out. And it, you know, 19-year-old, overager. Overager, sorry, yes, sorry. Yes, 19, 19-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he was very impressive. Every every ball that went up in the air, he was taking, and it was over a couple of players. Like, they were all contested marks, I reckon. I, I can't really remember one that wasn't uncontested. Yeah. Um, and he was very accurate. I mean, five goals, two. That's is you know any forward that's kicking over fifty percent is usually effective and one that you can look at and say that they're doing their job very well, um and it was like there wasn't a lot to talk about because he was doing so much right and and if, that's fifty percent every you know every second touch was a goal so yep. we actually had seven scoring shots from ten touches so that's extremely you know that's so efficient for a forward to get on the scoreboard seventy percent of their touches so. They Very impressive. That, like, they probably need that barometer up forward, Sandy, with no Harrop and yeah. players missing a schoolboy yep. footy, but the team's standing up. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And then, yeah, like I said, Cal Shadir was also impressive. He kicked three goals. And, you know, on rule mention, he was unlucky not to feature in the 10 and doing very similar things to Archimé. Tazzy, Oscar Van Dam, um, you chatted to him post-game. There's a video on our socials um, chatting to him. I mean, he was very good in the back line. He didn't actually get a lot of the ball, 10 touches, but he kicked a goal. But he was very aggressive and just had a lot of flair in his game. And it showed he was bursting off half-back. And it probably it, it did really help Tazzy get into the game because it's what they lacked in that first half. There was really no dare or sort of leadership to move the ball forward with any intent. Yep. And they'd get lost in that sort of forward half of the ground. And he was there. He took the game on. He was showing his really good speed through the corridor as well. And stood up. He just stood up. It was a, a, just an impressive game where not every touch had to mean something, but it, it did in this case. And he was really impressive. And he was rewarded with a goal as well. I think it was the fourth quarter or maybe no, the third quarter, but it was the start of their comeback from I think 40 metres out. So a, a very good performance and that, and one that he'd definitely build on. And we've you know, we spoken about him, briefly mentioned him before. So you know, it was a very impressive performance from Oscar. And I'll move on to a couple of Tassie Devils girls from that game. They got the loss, but it was still good to see their girls in action in person for the second time this season. Harriet Bingley is one I know that they're really high on down in the Apple Isle. She finished with 19 touches and she got the first goal of the game after a goalless first quarter. She she hit the scoreboard from about 30 out and made no mistake. Her defensive presence in the midfield is is really impressive. She's got that. She's got um, got those traits that, that you want in a midfielder. But also, when she does get her hands on the ball, she she does get clearances. She's able to run through and, and use her use her strength. I guess you could say, even though she is still a, a you know a double bottom major. There's a lot of upside for her, and I know she was in playing representative footy. Um, earlier this year prior to coming into the Devils Talent League program. Candice Balvin, 16 touches and nine tackles, the other one that I really wanted to highlight. She was another one who played really well defensively, and that's what she always adds to the Tassie Devils lineup. She's got that background playing off half-back, and she's come into the midfield this season and has become a real leader there where she attacks the ball really hard. She Nine tackles really probably indicative of the fact that if she's not getting her hands on it, then she's at least doing the defensive side of her game and, and keeping her side accountable. Well, I forgot to mention Tassie, another Tassie boy, but I'll finish with my last two boys. Um, yeah. Back to the Tassie. Connor Lynn, two goals, 17 disposals and four inside 50s. I'm really strong in the midfield and was always around it. I mean, he was even good in the first half when it wasn't really going well for Tassie, but he stood up even more in the second half, was just roving the ball really well when it came to ground. Didn't always have to get involved in the contest, but he was ready to pounce on it when the ball did come to ground and move out of the stoppage and move through the corridor. Yeah, um, His burst speed was really impressive as well, and it did impact their offensive transition. He got on the end of two really good goals. I think both of them were on the run inside 50 just, but it's just a very strong midfield performance. I'd like to see more of him. It was probably the first I think either of us have noticed of him, so it will be interesting to see how he builds in the next couple of weeks. Just one to keep an eye on, but thought it was worth mentioning my 10. And then from the Gippy Rebels game, yep. Seb Amoroso, um, I was just very impressed. I thought it was a very good captain's performance in general, and it was uh, one goal, 14 disposals, five tackles. He moved up half forward, which you said was his position last year. So you could definitely see there was a lot of comfortability in the way he was playing. He looked much more settled and 
his ability to apply pressure was much more effective because he just sort of knew when to impact the contest and stop transition. It was a probably uh, it was definitely effective in stopping rebels. Though they've got you know George Stevens, Joel Frazier off half back. It's a pretty Lamont effective Lamont. and Lamont Lowell, you know, a pretty effective half back line to start. So to limit that transition was very good on his half and. Yeah, it was just efficient with his disposal, made the right decisions, and it was an effective game that you couldn't fault. So, yeah, it was uh, impressive, and he, yeah, earns a spot in my top 10. And from that hippie boys game, I'll start with uh, Lockie Smith, and and my spot, 21 hit outs, 17 touches and three goals. He's my dominant performance of the season. He, he might have only had five or six marks for the game, but every time he did take a mark, he looked like taking the mark. He looked really strong. He used his size. He's a he's a really big boy, and yeah, outmuscled his opponents. So if he can show that for more consistent periods across games and you know across the the rest of the season, he might be one worth having a look at in November. But yeah, good hit form at the right time ahead of the national championship starting for the Vic Country Rocky. He he kicked three goals as well, and and I think I think from memory he kicked two or three goals as well in the Vic Country trial games. He does tend to take his opportunity from the set shot up forwards. So a good performance from him, and got his hands on it a fair bit as well. And to transition into the girls' game, was really impressed with the with the performance performance of Ash Centra, um, twenty one touches. But I won't put her in my ten because I think we all know about how talented she is. I'll. I'll give the shout-out to Amber Shute, who finished with 20 touches, also in the back line, and was really important, I thought, particularly in that first quarter, quarter and a half, when GWV had all the running but just weren't quite able to put it on the scoreboard. She was one who held up really well. And then in the last quarter as well, I thought she came to the fore as well. We know how well she steps through traffic, and she showed that on the weekend. Alicia Molesworth, the other player from the Shepley Oval doubleheader, I'll give a shout-out to 22 touches and six tackles. She's averaging 20 touches and eight tackles for the season. So she's really important on ball for them, gets it advancing forward. And, yeah, when when Gippsland have been overpowered in the first three or four weeks of the season, she was willing to, to lay tackles and, and her pressure was really um, elite, not just her tackling, but just some of her positioning as well. And now that Gippsland have got it on their terms a little bit more with some, some more talent coming in, she's one who has really lifted so really enjoying watching her. She's a 2004-born talent, so she's an overager, playing some really good footy and has a few years' experience under her belt at the talent league level. And I'll move to the Rebels girls in that case. Uh, Molly Lane, another very impressive performance, 25 touches, two inside 50s, five rebound 50s and six tackles. I mean, I had a look because I was interested to see where she ranked among the rest of the league. She's actually first in rebound 50s in the whole league, 7.5. A 7.3 a game. I mean, there is uh, Grace Hay on top, but she's only played one game, so her average is nine because she's only had the one game. So I'm technically counting her as first in the league. Um, But she's just ultra-impressive. Her position is... It's just second nature to her. Like, she knows where to be and she knows where the drop of the ball will be, takes contested marks and exits really well as well. It was just... It was just a superb game from someone who's building really well on their craft and it's evident that she does the work to really stand out in these games. And it was, it's weird. It's not actually much to talk about because she does it so well. She does everything she needs to do. She executes the fundamentals, which in a game where, in all honesty, it was pretty poor from both teams, she nailed them each time. So it was very impressive from her. And then Jess Wrench from the Rebels as well, 18 touches and seven inside 50s. 
really had a lot of flair in her game. She was one of the only Rebels that took the game on at times, burst through the stoppage out into the corridor. Uh, really good tackling pressure, I noticed, around the ground, was able to keep the ball contained when it was when the Gippy were getting forward and then just good defensive instincts in general even though she does move up the ground quite a lot she does know when to move back and take good intercept marks and read the play well so yeah two good performances from the Rebels in a day that probably didn't go very well for them but um no it was impressive from them I've got two more girls I don't know how many you've got but yeah are we are we near even now I've got I've got a girl and a boy remaining, um, but yeah, yeah. it's done. Just to just to finish off there on Jess French, it stunned me when I went onto the app and she had only eighteen touches because it felt like yeah. from her back closer to thirty touches. But um, yeah, moving on to Meg Robertson, who's my final girl that I'll highlight. I could have picked any of five or six standing on girls, like I said, that performed really well. But Robertson's one that recruiters are taking a lot of notice of. Uh, she did miss a portion before the break with. A concussion they took the conservative conservative approach with her as you would expect but every game that she has played she has done something and she took it up another level on the weekend her ability to get through traffic is absolutely elite she's a clearance player and she uses the ball so effectively so one who who I expect is going to be a real standout for Vic Country throughout the national championships for the girls later in the year. She finished with 33 touches and two goals, two, seven marks and six tackles. It's a complete game and it always is from Meg Robertson. And Joe Shanahan from the Bendigo Pioneers in a loss to the Dandenong Stingrays. Worth giving him a shout out, the bottom major, because he's had a had a pretty pretty good season. Perhaps we haven't spoken about him as much, but he's certainly one that has flown under the radar. 16 touches, six marks. And a goal for the game. He did actually play as a key defender, though. He's averaging 11 disposals and five marks this season. Um, yeah, he his his marking is his strength. He's been played a little bit all over the ground, but yeah, it's very rare for a ball to come into his area and for him to not to at least not split the contest. But generally, he's actually taking the mark as well, and his fundamentals are pretty good. So one who I expect will be around the mark to um, push for representative honours next season. And I'll, I'll finish off from my last two. Uh, this was both from the Bundura doubleheader. I'll start with Bridie Collins from the Calder Cannons. 16 touches, three tackles and five rebound 50s. One that really impressed um, Matt O'Connor, one of the assistant coaches for the Cannons. Just really strong in their contest, in, from contest to contest, bringing their effort and work rate and it did improve as the game went on. And it was just a good, it was just one that, Matt feels she was improving on a, a performance that you could see there was growth. So impressive from her. And then the last one for me, Sienna Talaridi, 24 touches and 12 rebound 50s. She was one I had to check as well to see if she was in the ranks. I think she's around 15th in the league, which is surprising, but she's um, been very impressive in the last couple of weeks. Just really good off halfback with her kicking and got a very big kick as well. And it's accurate, which also helps. And, the longer the kick is definitely better for the girls as well. We've, it, it's definitely seen and what am I trying to say? It's definitely noticed very well for the girls and just good transition or great transition between the arcs. So it was just a very all-round good performance from Sienna. And, yeah, the Chargers just couldn't get up in the end, but they were very close. Um, we have a very good game of football, but... Worth, worth noting as well, um, I know you talked about her last week, Emma McDonald against the stronger opponent. Was it, you know, yeah. award a couple of times yeah. on goal? Yeah, well, she was, she would have been mentioned again. She was, you know, she was easily in that top three, um, but I didn't want to say her two weeks in a row, but yeah, she was very impressive again. Just 
like contested marks through her thing. Like if the ball goes in, she'll take it. Yeah. And then I mean, if she, she kicked two or three, I think. So if she's even, you know, four one from that. That's yeah. You know, it, it's she's just and she's a bottom major as well. So <laughs> scary to think, you know, twelve months time what we'll see from her. But yeah. No, that's that. Yeah, that's our ten. I'd say there's tips. There's only one tip. Um, but last week again, we we always. One does better than the other in either boys or girls, but we still remain the same. So you're up by three, 71 to 68. Um, Sandy v. Oakley boys. I'm going yep. to say Sandy. Yeah, I mean, it, the fact that the Vic Metro players will be out for both teams will probably bring Oakley back into it to some degree, I would think, just because Sandy lose more to Vic Metro, I think, than Oakley yeah. do, but not by many. And, yeah, the rest of the players will be back for school boys as well as the Metro squad members that don't play. I would say Sandy by four goals, three goals. Sandy by three goals. Well, I mean, hoping for a close game. That's all we're hoping for, really. Um, but, yeah, no, that, that wraps it up. And to summarise what next week's episode will be about, pretty big episode, we've got the Vic Metro and Country Trials for the girls. We have South Australia v Vic Metro review for the under-18s national champs. Vic Metro Vic, v Vic Country for the under-16s. And then, obviously, a quick review of the Sandy Oakley game, unless I've missed anything there. No, I don't think you missed anything. And then the girls' um, under-16s has already been, but we haven't forgotten about it. We will certainly be addressing it at some stage in the next couple of weeks as well. So, yeah, thank you for that. For sure. Well, thank you all for joining again as usual. Leave us feedback as, as usual in the comments if you think there's anything we can improve on. And, yeah, until then, we will see you in the next episode.